Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Elite Rugby Banter, the podcast about rugby. I'm your host, Adam, coming to you live from a very sunny but freezing Johannesburg. Uh, I am joined by Matt and George. How are you, Matt? Oh, I'm chilled. Oh, that's it? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. Okay, cool. And uh, also joining us is Ben uh, f- uh, from across the sea. How's it going? Um, well, thanks to you, Adam. Um uh, I, I, I'm not feeling that great this morning, um, beyond the rugby, I, I drank a little bit too much, so uh, I am rightly suffering the consequences, so yeah. Now, Alex, Alex will be coming a little bit later, uh, I think he's just a little bit held up, so he'll, he'll be uh, swooning in, uh, and then about, hopefully about 10-15 minutes, but he'll be coming to us also soon. So, uh, let, let's kick things off to use the rugby parlance, to start off with a bit of news. Uh, first off... Uh, Ashwin Willemsa, he's very surprised that Supersport has have said that his contract has expired. I'm just also reading this from Sport24. Former Springbok wing Ashwin Willemsa was reportedly taken aback by announcement that his contract with Supersport had expired. Uh, the pay channel confirmed on Thursday that Willemsa would not be back on television as his contract with the company had run its course. He ended up telling Times Live pretty much that uh, he was surprised. I know at, at this present stage, Willemsa threatened to take... Super Sport to the Equality Court, uh, though nothing has, is, has yet happened in that regard, uh, while Super Sport are talking to the Human Rights Commission in, in regards to the incident that happened a while ago. Um, I know Alex, he posted in the group, he just said his major comment was, uh, let me just read through here, because I, I tend to agree, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, he clearly overplayed his hand, but he, it has no bearing on whether he was right to be upset. And I think that's uh, quite accurate. Um, it's, it seems to have fizzled out a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I, I guess to kind of, it's a hard thing because like we were sort of, like I don't think we got all the information, yeah. what was going on there, like, and there was a lot of speculation and stuff, but short of actually, like I was always going to lose momentum because, you know, there was only so much people could kind of discuss about it and think about it because, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you can only extrapolate so far before you actually need kind of solid facts to move on. But yeah, at the same time, like maybe maybe you shouldn't look at it because obviously I, I wasn't aware how their contracts were structured. But I'm guessing his contract just kind of finished at quite a quite an inconvenient time for him because obviously Supersport was just like you know what we we don't need this trouble. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if when Mallet's contract comes up, if it does, I don't know, once again I don't know his contract is structured, but I wouldn't be surprised if. When that comes up for renewal, he's also told to, you know, take a bit of a walk. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, like, well said. Yeah. I think, I think we'll find out a little bit more. Uh, just moving on, uh, just, uh, we're trying to be a bit more diverse. Germany, uh, they've hired Mike Ford, the former <laughs> England and British Lions defensive coach, and Bath and Toulon head coach. Uh, I'm delighted that I now have the opportunity to develop such an ambitious team as Germany and possibly even lead them to a World Cup. For the first time, Germany were thrashed in a playoff uh, for an automatic spot in Japan next year by Samoa. In July, Germany have another chance to qualify for a Maiden World Cup in the repertoire competition in Marseille. So we can get the ultimate... Uh, what, what, did the, what did Germany call Namibia? The colonial grudge match? Yeah, the colonial uh, grudge uh, match. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, the, the battle for Southwest Africa. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, the so the, uh, the, the desert fort. I, I know Rommel was a bit higher up, but yeah. I'm sure there should be someone in the Namibia known as the Desert Fox. Excuse me. The yeah, the puns all the the, the, <laughs> the puns and jokes were all thick and fast. So uh, good luck to Journey. That, that, hmm? that is good though. That it obviously means that because that obviously. He's a professional coach. Like, he's got as good a CV as pretty much... You know, if he got, say, the South African job or the England job or whatever, the Italian job, people would be like, yeah, that's a, that's yeah, a good call. I mean, he's a Bob proper Saracen coach. Bartholomew Saracens is probably the next best step to being a national coach, is being Bartholomew Saracens' head coach. Yeah, or like, obviously, maybe... Yeah, maybe one of the big super rugby sides as well. Yeah. But yeah, that's good. I think it shows it shows some intent from... From Germany, uh, I don't know if it's the. I presume it's some sort of um, like the Ministry of Sport or whatever. I don't. I don't really know too much about the functioning of you know German politics, but yeah, I would guess that they obviously are targeting rugby as something they would like to expand. That's why they're sort of putting in the money. Huh? Yeah. Um, um, I think you can only generate so much money from men's handball tournaments. I think that's well, the they, big sport there. And, and well, soccer, obviously. They're pretty good at football as well. They, they won yeah. the World Cup the previous edition, so let's not... Yeah. No, 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 I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, so I guess to, to put a bow yes. on that one, good luck, Germany. Uh, all, all I care about, really, is the grudge match, the colonial grudge match. But we, we shall see. Uh, just moving on, um, on Friday, ahead of the Springbok Wallabies game, Wallaby skipper Michael Huppie, he came out on Friday and urged rugby chiefs to start taking neck roll tackles more seriously after uh, David Pocock. He was ruled out, ruled out of the game against South Africa due to like, uh, picking up a, a, a neck roll uh, that, that the All Blacks targeted him with over the last two weeks. This isn't the first time, by the way, that Pocock was targeted uh, in this fashion. Both the Highlanders and the Hurricanes did exactly the same thing. And just a, a quick little rant from me. I think it's absolute uh, bullshit that the All Blacks keep getting away with this sort of nonsense. They always skirt the laws, uh, and they say we play hard but fair, but they have no idea what the laws are because no one takes them to task. The book is never thrown at them. And then when something minor happens, like Sonny Bull Williams' red card against the British and Irish Lions, it becomes a national crisis. Uh, they say that a guy like Joe Moody, it's like, no, he's a fair player. I mean, you remember he shoulder-charged James Parsons or something like that in Super Rugby, and Parsons barely spoke to him, and there was that whole saga. He's a thug. And I'm just sick and tired of all the All Blacks being treated as a protected species and they get away with this sort of bullshit. But Hoop is absolutely right. Eventually, there's going to be, oh, excuse me, a significant injury due to this. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of all of, of this uh, behavior and the fact that the All Blacks are treated, they are treated differently compared to everyone else. As Hooper said, but, but, yeah, okay, I'm done, I'm done. Yes, yes, Ben? Can you, can you blame the All Blacks though? No, this is what I want to ask. That's the thing. It's not because yeah. you you will you know you you take you take any advantages you, uh, that you can in life and like and sport obviously. Do you know if, if you even if you kind of be like oh like this doesn't really seem within the rules but we're getting away with it you would probably still do it. Oh you no, know, it's like yeah they 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 kind of just being enabled in this respect. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, like Sansar and World Rugby. They need to pull their finger out their ass and actually do something about this. Like I'm just, I'm just. It's the, the problem starts there. Yeah. If you're the All Blacks, you're gonna, you get, you get given half a yard, you're gonna take it. Like, are you absolutely correct? Okay. I'm just, yeah, yeah. That's why the, that's why, 
like the All Blacks saying, John, they play hard but fair. It's like a half truth. They are playing fair to the rules that are applied to them. Yeah. It's more the rule that we should look at how you can't. Re- it's difficult because yes, it's easy to vilify the All Blacks because they're the ones 100% benefiting from this, but it's not necessarily their doing. They just are sort of benefiting from a system that seems to favour them. Yeah. Well, like. like- uh, just, or just to quote what Hooper said, it's a, it's a significant injury and significant issue. As a coaching group, we went sent clips to World Rugby and Sandsall, and the coaches told me that it didn't meet the red card threshold. Neck injury is a pretty big part of the game, and being in a similar position to David, you want to be protected and safe. This is what it's about, player safety. So, I mean, he's coming from that angle, but uh, yeah, I think he's absolutely No, no, I, I agree, though, because if you're saying the priority of the rules is the neck is, is, is player safety. You you say play, player safety trumps everything, and that seems to be the way they have looking at they look at things now. You know where they look at sort of the injury and the potential for injury more than actually the the offending act. Yes. Yes. Okay. Who, who tackled Ritalik out but, of curiosity? Because I'm pretty sure that we, we're going to see a Argentinian citation now coming in for the next week or two in the next day. Yeah, but it's oh I don't know it it just seems to be. The laws are they, – they don't kind of take these principles and make them universal. They just – they apply them, you know, like like jumping for the high ball is like kind of whatever, flavor of the month. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, anything to do with that, they're so strict on that. And then they, they hide behind this sort of shield of player safety. But their neck rolling, which I would say is as – which is as, as, lightly, as lightly to cause a life-threatening injury. What is it? That sort of overlooked. So it's kind of like, do you know what? Either, either do, either go full, like go full retard on player safety, and do everything. Every all the laws are dictated by player safety, or you just say, okay, we have other priorities. We want the game flow. We we acknowledge that rugby is a physical game, and there are some risks, but we we consider those the 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 game is worth more than those risks. Or I don't know, like. I think I don't think world rugby is in a good place at the moment. Let's say that. No, Out of curiosity, necrols were big in the necrols were blown out completely in the last World Cup, right? If I remember correctly, that was sort of the the famous buzzword of the last World Cup was necrols, and what the refs were going to be pegging the guys for. Yeah, I know a few. They had a, they had some issues in sevens about it because it's quite a good way to get a man off the ball. Is you just sort of you kind of go over him and then you kind of flip yourself. Yeah, you and do that sort of alligator roll. Yeah, what do they call it? The the cro- the, the crocodile. Yeah. Um, and then so obviously, because normally I think you meant to sort of grab around their their kind of trunk, but if you obviously grab around their neck and do the same thing, then it becomes like you know. Like a judo yeah. move or whatever, so it's a bit dodgy. And you're whipping them around by their neck, yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, um, I think I think the summer produced said Ben there was a moment in the All Blacks game where uh, someone passed to Damian McKenzie, but it was a high pass, so McKenzie had to jump to take the ball, and then he got take and then he got tackled by Matera, and then Matera was pinged for a penalty for taking out a guy in the air. Which, I mean, it's, it's that sort of stuff that. Uh, there's no common sense. That's all. Um, yeah. I just I tend to agree. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I think in that specific... Like... Yes? Sorry, man. 
Well, I was going to say, you can go on. And humans probably going to say it's smarter than I am, so you go for it, Ben. No, I was just going to say, basically, Matera gets punished for a bad pass by the All Blacks. Like, it doesn't... But I'm sure, yeah. aren't there rules that, that you can't jump into the tackle? Yeah, but that's the thing. Matera... If you watch that in the replay, and you can see it plain as day in the in the replay, Matera had lined up the tackle and hunched down, and he'd uncoiled sort of, you know, shot forward before McKenzie actually even had to jump up. So Matera was committed to that tackle by the time McKenzie was in the air. Like Matera had to play it in the air because by the because when Matera had made the decision to play the player, the player was on the ground and the player wasn't going to be going in the air. Yeah, but th- this is this is what gets me though. That why why must Matera be responsible for McKenzie's safety in that case? Yeah, because because... McK- McKenzie's put himself in the dangerous position. Matera's had yeah. nothing to do with this. Because if anything, I think McKenzie should get a penalty there for putting himself in. He should concede a penalty there for putting himself in danger. Yeah, oh, but then you're going to penalise every form of brilliance because there's. A lot of sort of brilliant players that you know could have gone so easily pear shaped. No, no, but, but, but that's the thing. That's like, yeah, the risky take. Because, you know they say, oh, the, the the tackler must be responsible for the. But surely there there has to be some. Because you know, say say a guy a guy's coming to tackle me and I choose just to face butt him in the shoulder. Like that guy, technically the tackler's actually. He's he's committed an offence. Yeah, he went you know, high. Say, say no, like like you could be a, a bloody hero. Yeah. Say you need three you need two three points to win. Last second of the World Cup final, someone's coming in to tackle you. You just drop to your knees and let him let him shoulder you in the face. You get the penalty, kick it over, whatever. You've lost a few teeth, but you've won your team the World Cup. Like th- that could legitimately happen. Okay. Thankfully. Mm-hmm. It could, but I, I really hope that rugby players aren't that. But that being said, they are professional athletes, and I think all kinds of professional athletes are cut from the same sort of cloth. No, no, but, but, but you're psychopathic. Obviously, that, that is extreme, but that, that does give yeah. you high endangering yourself. You can advance your team, which, yeah. which doesn't seem – it seems to just give scope for a lot of manipulation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but look, let's, let's uh, move no, on. No, I definitely think you have a point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but look, let, let, let's just move on for now. Uh, just coming out of the UK, uh, the Premiership Rugby Clubs, they said to reject a CVC offering a request for a better deal. This is coming from a Guardian. A £275 million offer tabled by the private equity firm CVC Capital Partners to buy 50%. Of Premiership Rugby, jeez, I sound like I'm obese. I'm just all this heavy breathing. Of Premiership Rugby is set to be rejected. A Tuesday scheduled meeting of the leading club owners, unanimous vote is is required for the bid to succeed, but it is understood a significant minority of owners are firmly against the plan. Uh, there was an earlier story run by The Guardian, I think, at the start of last week, noting how only one or two of the Premiership clubs uh, have actually been able to run a profit. And even though attendances have gone up uh, big time, more money's in the game, uh, the biggest problem the English game is facing is that most of the revenue is going to sa- uh, salaries. And the game is not actually profitable, while the RFU is crazy profitable, which is very interesting. I just I wonder how this is going to impact uh, the current player drain uh, going on in South Africa. Um, and also, I think Brexit as well 
uh, the fact that the, the laws might change and might affect South African players, but I know we're classed slightly differently compared to uh, New Zealand and Australia. So thoughts? It's, uh, it's interesting to watch what's happening up north, particularly with Saru uh, having the eyes up there. Yeah, um, with this whole... Yeah, it, it does seem that a general comment is that the Premiership doesn't seem as as sort of stable um, an entity or whatever as as we actually think. Because they're saying only, what, only Saracens are profitable? Or only, Exeter. There's like basically... Exeter, yeah. There's one. There's one club that's that's profitable, and then they're saying on average clubs are like they're making like a million pounds loss a year, and then they're saying Wasps is losing eight million pounds a year, which that's proper money, eh? That's like that's like, level of, that's like Western Province level of uselessness there. But then, yeah, and but then they say the ma- the main issue seems to be this massive sort of salary bill they have to foot. Yeah, because I mean. They have to, they have to keep up with salaries, and the problem is, because I mean it's we say for us they're paying exorbitant salaries for our guys, but I mean, I don't think they're paying much more for our guys than they are for their local guys. So, I mean, they, it's just this massive. It's I think what's happening in France as well. Then it's just this massive sort of salaries arms race for the players. Yeah, but but they also they have salary caps and stuff, so it's sort of. It's managed. It's managed to some level, but obviously that. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. I think the the purpose of salary caps isn't really to save the club's money. It's more just to not let things get stupid. Yeah, it's sort of to keep you've all. The idea behind the salary cap is if you're all working from the same amount of finite resources, you'll all sort of be able to field competitive teams. You're not going to have one side just buying 15 all stars. You know, the guys are going to have to. Sort of take yeah. a take a slightly cheaper player here and there if they want to buy a Sonny Bill Williams this season. Yeah, yeah, it, it does it it does it does create a bit more sort of um, it does create a bit more sort of parity in the league. But obviously, even but like a sort of a an alternative effect of it would be would be it should theoretically keep costs slightly lower. But obviously, it's because yeah, you can predict what your costs are going to be quite easily. Yeah, but it's quite weird though because I would say most of the time when you watch a Premiership game or whatever, or even a Pro 14 game outside of South Africa, the stadium's pretty full. Yeah, but maybe, maybe they aren't getting the same level of, of TV revenue that we. Yeah, we, I think it's either the TV revenue or their ticket prices might be a little low. Uh, yeah, uh, like their stadiums yeah. aren't, aren't great though. A lot of them only seat kind of fifteen twenty thousand. Mm. I, I know we've chatted about this before that all our stadiums arguably beyond international games we should be playing in smaller stadiums because it makes for a better atmosphere it looks better on television and um, yeah but people aren't really going to games anymore um, it's, it's a bit of a slip yeah. so it's interesting to yeah I didn't I'm going to come clean I didn't go to the Curry Cup game here on Friday but that was mostly because it was pissing with uh, rain yeah no, it's under <laughs> But I would say George is probably sort of like what? What does that stadium seat? Kind of fifteen, twenty thousand, or a little bit there? less even, I think. Because I, I think that that's what that's kind of even a Super Rugby game. You're gonna you're gonna battle for you're gonna battle for twenty thousand people. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, just uh, that's gonna wrap it up for news. I'm just gonna do a quick oh, run sorry, through. On the, on the Brexit poll pack thing. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. Yes yes yes. 
Yeah, because no? we, we don't know exactly what, but basically the coal pack contracts allow, I'm, I'm saying that I don't actually know if this governs rugby as well, but it allows players from certain areas outside of the EU to be classed as EU citizens essentially for the terms of contracts. So the leagues have caps on foreign players, but South Africans don't count as foreign players in terms of this this coal pack arrangement, this coal pack thing. Yeah. So the, the, the one one kind of thought is that with Brexit, then it doesn't matter if they count as EU players or not because, well, Britain won't be part of the EU anymore. So it could mean that now suddenly all these South Africans there suddenly count as foreign players. And that would mean instead of saying teams being allowed to, you know, kind of have as many South Africans as they want, now suddenly they will be limited to whatever the foreign player like quotas are. And they're not high. Hey? It's like two or three. Yeah. So I think we, we could be seeing if Brexit sort of falls that way, we could be seeing a whole a whole heap of players coming back to SA. Sort of not the – so I would guess they're going to retain sort of their – their kind of former Springboks and stuff, but then they'll lose their, um, the lose their, kind of, yeah, their, their younger sort of guys. They'll send them all back, which might not be the worst thing, but potentially how, it could just mean everyone fucks off to France. I was just curious, how fucked is Gloucester then? Very. Yeah, they, they screwed. It's like maybe, half the fucking Lions squad there. Maybe they'll maybe they'll just join the Pro 14 as a South African side. <laughs> Spare Lions. Uh, yeah. like, speaking of lines, I just want to quickly <clears throat> run through the Curry Cup results from over the weekend of uh, the three games. The Lions hammered the Free State 47-14. The Blue Bulls won in Kimberley 45-40. And uh, the Sharks beat the Pumas. And just a quick run through of the Pro 14 results. Treviso beat the Cardiff Blues 27-25. Uh, the Scarlets beat Leinster 23-21. Ospreys pumped the Cheetahs 46-14. Connacht beat Zebra 32-13. The Kings uh, played quite well uh, in a losing cause against the Dragons, losing 27-22. Uh, also beat Edinburgh 30-29. And the Glasgow Warriors 25-10. Ben, just something you said earlier. Um, yeah, should we be reconsidering this whole Pro 14 thing? Like, I think like, the Kings, for them it's not too bad because they're always starting from a fresh base. But uh, the Cheetahs have been absolutely gutted. The, their participation in the Curry Cup is nominal at best. Um, I know we're talking long term strategically. Other other South African teams might end up here. Uh, Matt, also be, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, do, do you think it's kind of we knew it'd be messy, but it seems to be the cheat, particularly for the cheaters, it's a lot worse than we thought it would be. Ben? Yeah, um, it's not. It really hasn't. The cheaters haven't really gone from strength to strength because. Their first season, they kicked off well. Eh? They they were very competitive, especially at home. But now it it just, it just seems that they've lost a bit of they, they. But they have. They've lost so many players because yeah, I was actually saying before the pod that, that the that the cheaters are. I would say looking at the team sheets, actually at, at similar strength to the Kings. Like I can't really, like I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings beat the cheaters or you know. Um, so yeah, but like. Looking forward, I don't know where the where the kind of the, the future lies. If it will, excuse me, sorry. If, if Saru's sort of intention is to move everything up north, personally, I think they just sort of 
they're just sort of holding it as a bit of a as a bit of like a bargaining chip to kind of give them a bit more power than Sanzel. Mm. No, that's true. But but I, I don't know. Like obviously, if if we're gonna sort of half ass things and sort of treat it as a secondary tournament, like we definitely are treating it secondary to Super Rugby in terms of. Um, South Africa, like that, that's kind of the feeling I get. You know, like you, you barely see it advertised. It's, they're not really trying very hard. So I don't know if, if, you know, now if the Sharks are like, yes, we want to go to Pro 14, Pro 14 might be actually, you know what, guys, you can actually stay in Super Rugby. Like we're not that interested. You guys really, the Cheetahs and the Kings aren't really adding much, I would say. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting once this whole draft thing comes into place. Uh, the draft system because then at least the guys like the Cheetahs and Kings can pick up second tier players and then they will be competitive they won't be pushing the likes of Munster, Leinster and Glasgow but at least they can get those players uh, Matt uh, you were going to say something? I was going to say it's a bit of a shit show to sort of because I mean the Kings last year literally had to start from scratch yeah. after losing every, almost every player and did that within in like less than a month had to build a squad and they have managed to largely retain most of their talent from last season to this season. And I think it's showing a little bit there. Both their results, both the games they played, they actually look pretty good. And the Cheetahs sort of the exact opposite, where they managed to retain most of their most of their Super Rugby squad and then even, I think, managed to pick up one or two of the Kings players as well. And then this season have had their stocks raided by Europe yeah. because essentially what the Cheetah season last season was, was a showcase dear Europe, this is what Bloemfontein has to offer and yeah it's, and to call it after like a season and two rounds I think is a little premature I mean, you've got to give both sides some time to settle, Kings now have secured some more money hopefully and they've upwards and hopefully Cheetahs can work out a way to retain their talent because I mean that they've not got any names this season so hopefully the the European scouts aren't going to be too bothered with the cheetahs this year and they can build from so I mean the guys they've got are fairly young they can build a base hopefully out of what they've got now and I think to do it to call it after a season essentially is might be might be a little premature I'd give, wait until the end of maybe next season give it three years no, no, no. It is fair enough, and and it is something when they remember they interviewed that the cheetah CEO guy after their first season on Pro 14, and he was saying in terms of the players and stuff, they actually prefer playing Pro 14 to playing Curry Cup. I think just the, the travels a lot less. I don't think you jump time zones. I think it's uh, yeah. like a, not not Curry Cup, sorry, Super Rugby. Super Rugby. Yeah. But yeah, but they seem to they seem to actually prefer. Prefer also, playing pro, pro, pro 14. So, I know there, there is an argument for when more players sort of are exposed to it. Maybe maybe they will kind of take that option to say, listen, this is less taxing on my body. Uh, I'm enjoying my rugby more. Maybe it's not as competitive. But yeah, I mean, I guess for them it actually is more competitive, though, isn't it? Hey, because they, because they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just instead of the being boys, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's also like there's a bit of novelty. Like they get to go to places they've never been before, playing teams they've never played. So, if you're like an old Cheetahs player, you're probably a bit sick and tired of same old opponents in Super Rugby and getting your ass kicked the whole time. Fucking Wellington must get so boring every year just to go there and lose by fifty. Yeah. yeah exactly. 
How's it going, Alex? Uh, oh, good. Sorry, I didn't realize. I've been listening for like the last five minutes. I totally forgot that I hadn't said hello yet. Uh, you will. I just, I just wait in automatically. Sorry, guys. No, no worries. So you, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll go down. Uh, it's it's actually very nice today. It's cold, but it's sunny, uh, and we just spent a bit of time at the dog park with the puppy. Yeah, poor Rico. You know, I feel. <laughs> uh, I just feel for Rico. My heart. Good team, Rico. Yeah. My, yeah, my heart bleeds for him. It's bizarre. I only yeah. have a cat. And also, I don't feel so good. That's why my heart is bleeding. Shape, you're not, you're not sounding great. So. No. He's I'm... hungover as shit, Alex. Uh, okay, well, then I've got no sympathy. Um. Stop. Stop. <laughs> um, Alright, well, look, since you're here, Alex, uh, and uh, it seems none of us really watched the All Blacks game, let's talk about it. Because I, I watched the last 20 minutes um, and, and also caught up some highlights. Uh, first off, I want to give a huge uh, big up to Argentina. I know they lost, but this might sound counterintuitive, but they were the ultimate winners of that game. Like, they've played, like, after the shit, shit fest that was South Africa, Australia, Argentina, were, that, they've played the, the second best rugby in this they competition. They played before. <laughs> yeah, they've played, yes, I know. They've played the second best rugby in this competition. We are on his first try to kick things off there. Ooh. Was, ooh, you know, a bit of a thigh rubber, yeah. uh, lovely stepping. And uh, Richie Moanga, unfortunately, did not shoot the lights out. Alex, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, I, mea culpa, accept responsibility for hyping me up too much. No, look, I, I, I mean, I, I think my original point doesn't still stand as such, but, um, you know, I still think that he's a more complete fly half than Barrett, so I stand by that. But, uh, yeah, just a shame when you got a guy with so much talent who doesn't quite kind of cut it. It's game one, obviously. Like I'm sure he's going to have a long career, but yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's he's first I think I think he should go to Europe while his stock's still hot. <laughs> you reckon? There's definitely going to be more than a few. I told you so. Is in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, no, but, but God, like, go. like you can't, yep. you can't. Like I feel as fans, not like technically, I guess we're not New Zealand fans, but obviously we do, we do follow so it. I've got my All Blacks cap on right now. I'm physically wearing an All Blacks cap. Ready to talk about the You don't even own a Springbok jersey, Matt? Yeah, no, but the All Blacks cap was a gift from someone. Uh, so, uh, okay, but in, anyway, uh, like, yeah. I, I do think, I think fans of almost all sports are too, are too quick to judge. Like, it sort of is the nature of, like, like, like we, I guess it's almost society now, like, we want results right now. You know, people are like, ooh, Rassi, less than a 50% win right now. Ooh, may- maybe you yeah. should go, mate. should go. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, everyone has bad days. Like, these people are are human. And obviously, especially in sport, where you have sort of 15 guys opposite you trying to trying to make you fail in what you're trying to do. So, it's it's so hard. Like, and yeah. like, I, I, mean, I do feel... Passion. That's, like, yeah. that's what makes sport special, is that people care that much about it. But it, it is, I mean, I'm with you, it is really annoying that people get so kind of, they take it so personally. And I think we've all been there. Like, we've all had those those games where we've watched the box lose yet again and just been like, fuck this, you know, fuck the box. They fucking, it's personal, you know, they're out to get me or something. Like, they deliberately ruined my weekend, which is obviously not the case. Like, you know, as, as rough as we all probably felt yesterday... Like probably no one feels worse than the players themselves. So you know, except for like, maybe all those guys. Yeah, I, I, 
I won't lie, a- Adam doesn't sound like he feels great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like but, um, you know, it's not like the Richie Mwanga, like, you can stand there and be like, well, Richie Mwanga's, you know, fuck you kind of thing. Like, you don't have to tell him that he didn't have a great game. He probably feels it. Mm. And if he doesn't sort it out in five, ga- five games' time, then you can start being like, all right, there's a kid he doesn't yeah, take he his whole black career seriously, or maybe he's just not up to scratch, you know? And I think that's kind of, I mean, I know we, I'm sort of straying to Bach territory. I think that's the, the issue that a lot of people have with Elton, is that, you know, after all the games he's played for the Bucks, it still feels like he doesn't bring his best game. And that's why I think a lot of people are a bit fed up with him. Because it seems like yeah, he reserves yeah. his best and his most hard-working self for the Lions. Mm. I don't know if it's true, but that's yeah. just the impression. How goes Ben Smith? Oh, Ben Smith's <laughs> like so good. So, so I, feel, good. I feel like the rich man's head of pity. Yeah, I feel. Like... <laughs> he seems he seems to be coming in at first receiver more than he does for the for the Highlanders when he plays for the All Blacks, which is quite weird if you think about it. You think he should actually kind of step up and take more responsibility when he's playing for the Highlanders, but he seems to take take more responsibility when he's playing for the All Blacks, which is strange if you think about it. I think that's just the kind of player is like he he's one of those guys who lifts himself to the game. Yeah, you know, he's like the opposite. I don't know what's the opposite of a flat track bully. Uh, um, <laughs> well, yeah. he, he embodies whatever it is. You get some cricketers like, that average like six against Zimbabwe, then eighty against Australia. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Like that they only have big match temperament. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, that, that was Polo's, Polo's problem. Matches aren't big enough at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Watch him, New Zealand. He's gonna get a he's gonna get a hat trick try. Pollard playing World Cup final New Zealand in the snow, coming down with twenty minutes left, forty points down, game of his life. Because that that's the kind of big match he's been waiting for. But he's saving it. He's saving it for Russi's banking on. Yeah, just massive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, like, it's just crazy that you can. All the headlines are basically about how um, you know Moanga was disappointing. All Blacks weren't great, you know, blah blah blah. And yet they can still come away with a twenty-point victory. I mean, we're out here talking yeah, about the, like the Argentinians played so well. They still lost by twenty points, and like they did play well. That's just, you know, is that really how far ahead of everyone else? Some, all some of those All Blacks tries, I had no idea how you could defend against that. Yeah, they, that's like the thing. That, that's what someone was saying. That they're too, you have to play tight. You've got to play a slow, stagnant, horrible defense and then stop the All Blacks at all costs. Or you've got to play loose and open and score tries against them. But you can't do both. And I think that's where the 20-point deficit comes from, is yeah. that... They basically, they, they, you have to open, you have to let one or two holes in your defense go because you need to be on the front foot to be able to score tries against the All Blacks. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. The, the trade off, and the All Blacks are just too good at taking the trade off. Yeah, and, yeah. and they could bring a guy like Damian McKenzie off the bench who he just starts pumping or, teams who are tiring. And what, what does South Africa do? We don't even bring on Ambrose Papier, the secret weapon, bro. You know, we just just left him. <laughs> the hope of the yeah. hope of the high felt. Yeah, exactly. But but I, I don't like like Fuff, Fuff the Clerk's good, 
but he's yeah. not he's not free de Priya. You don't no. need him on the field. He's not like the you the know general. the bloody yeah. He's he's not like the the linchpin of Springbok so, rugby or like I well, don't see a. I, I I agree. With, I know what you're saying, but actually in a way he kind of is because so much of our game start our game plan actually revolves around him. And it seems like uh, like uh, neither of our tens in any of the games we played this year have been calling the shots. He's been calling the shots. So they're playing off him and waiting to see what Fuff will do and then reacting to it. Mm. And he's created like this chaos in our back line, which is, you know, it can be a good thing because we know what he can do. But more often than not, it's a bad thing. And I think that the problem is if you take off Fuff and you put Papier on, your back line is in disarray. Yeah, it's very headless. Like, you'd, you'd yeah. rather have sort of a chaotic leader than no leader. Mm. Uh, yeah, so just, I guess so. Just to quickly pull it back to, to that All Blacks game uh, before we get too much into sorry. South Africa. No, 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 not at all. Sorry, my bad. Um, after that, Mappy went off injured for five minutes. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't really, don't seem to rate him that much internationally. He's a good player. But then Antoinette Brown comes on and has a cracker. And then you got Jack. Jeez, you you can't, can't, oh, fucker, you, got you Jack can't five minutes to... You look, sorry, sorry, man, just to finish that thought. You've got Jack Goodhue, he's playing his third test. It looks like he's been playing test rugby for 10 years. You know, like that, that All Blacks midfield, and they've got Ryan Crotty coming back. It's just, oh, it's so strong. It's literally the opposite of what South Africa has at the moment. Yeah. Just when you see those guys in action. Um, and it's, I look, it's, 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 even though you missed my rant on the All Blacks, I do admire the way they play, even though they're a bunch of cheesy bastards sometimes. But, um,. Yeah, it's just, I look at Jack Goodhue, I just get happy. He, 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 will, he is DDA now. DDA is DDA too. Is so it, we can, uh, the problem is, DDA is I think shit. it's more, it's, to call, to call DDA Goodhue too though is an insult to Goodhue. Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> but, um, oh, no. what I was going to say is, you, it's you were shit hot, huh? Oh, yeah, no. God, he's just, I don't know, he's just class. I said, I've never, really, I've never played rugby. You guys would have a better idea than I do. But I just look at him, and he's just class. He's cool, calm, he he good makes lines. the right decisions. He's the, he's the center version yeah. of Ben Smith. There's no higher praise than me uh, Ben Smith. Uh, I, I wouldn't go that far. How good is Ben Smith? How good is Ben Smith? Oh, God, he's so ben good. from accounts. Like, he's so good. He's so good. No, look, good use is great. Good use is great. I'm with you on that. I just, I mean, I wouldn't compare him to Ben Smith. So right, I think so he's I good in a different way. What would Ben Smith um, do? <laughs> but, like, look, I mean, you're right in the sense that, so I think the one quality that he probably shares with Ben Smith is that he seems to have a knack for doing the right thing at the right time. And, like, he knows when to chow the gap. He knows when to pass it on. He knows when to go to the boot. And I think, okay, fuck, I, we, I know we, we're getting a, probably getting a reputation for making stupid comparisons on this podcast. I think that's, best, that's our closest, bread and butter, though. That's true. The closest I've version been, we have to, 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 to Jack Goodhue, and I'm, I'm aware that he's very much a poor, a very much poor man's Jack Goodhue, is Lucanio Am. Yeah. Mm. Because I actually feel like they play somewhat similarly. Jack Goodhue's just way better at it. And, like, they're both very good decision makers. Okay. Um, has his problems on defense against England. We know that already. But um, especially on attack, like they both bring, they're both so good at bringing others into the game, and then when they go themselves, having an impact. So, I, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the centers. I know. Sorry, I keep I keep getting dragged back to the bot game. Um, well, that's fine. We can move on to it shortly. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, but anyway, Jack Goody, great. Uh, Anton Leonard Brown also saw he had a fantastic game. The little bits that I watched, he was just yeah having an, a real impact. And that's the thing, like with the All Blacks, every single player from one to twenty-three, you know he's going to do his job. He's going to have a positive impact, and he's going to add more than he detracts. And we really can't say that. And in fact, neither can Australia or Argentina. So we're not the only ones. Um, so, all right, but just generally, just, just, just uh, before yes. we go, if if you had to, if you had all the all the resources in rugby, in any player in the world apart from the New Zealanders, how would you beat the New Zealanders? Uh, how would you beat? dominate their pack? I would at this Sup- point in time supremacy up front, so that- they can't get. Sorry, Matt, supremacy up front, yeah. so they can't feed their dirty backs. And a kicking, a kicking fly half. Yeah. And dude, I would just constantly put them back, basically yes. touch, Keep- and put lots of pressure on their line out. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You have got to find touch on, or you, you take penalties. You, you take your, yeah. Okay, first of all, you get yourself a referee that's going to ping them. Then you <laughs> easier um, said than done. Yeah, no, actually, no, I don't know. That's that, 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 I don't know if all the resources <laughs> in the world. Yeah, you can get anywhere if you want. Yeah. No, so yeah. Matt, you're going to say before I really interrupted you. No, no I was going to say if we're going to stick with players, I would say start with the the outside the outside backs from Argentina this weekend because I think they've come the closest to looking exciting and actually making cutting gaps against New Zealand than I've seen many other teams in international rugby do. Yeah, maybe throw in like uh, the French pack when they're at their best when they toured New Zealand, build the, the, the perfect team. Also, you need to um, take Ben Smith and Brady Retallick and just like send them on a cruise somewhere, and then well, then we, we. So what you're saying is we've got to do this game within the next six weeks. Yeah, pretty much. Because that's while Brady's out. that's yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, well. oh, but that, that, that's the thing. Like, I, I can't even think because I was watching their 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 last try, oh, and I was like, you could go to any defensive coach in the world, and you could show them a replay of that, and then you can say, okay, they're going to do that again. Set up the defense to stop it, and they couldn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that try was virtually impossible Freakish. to defend. Oh, and a guy like oh, I mean, just McKenzie is just pinball. I mean, try to tackle him. Yeah. He's slippery like an eel. Uh, I think he's a lot stronger than he lets on. He's tough as nails. And he's just... You know, oh, okay, final fanboy moment for him. He just hit, does everything at pace. He hits the line at pace. And it's just... You know, it's, oh, it's an God. underrated skill, just doing stuff. That's what New Zealand does. They they do what other teams do, but they just do it so much more quickly. Oh, I like this turnover yeah. ball. Like, like, their defense oh. forms so much more quickly. They get the ball through their hands so much more quickly. When they get the ball, they're running at full tilt already. Full it's, tilt. But mm. just just to talk about Argentina, but I was very very impressed with Sanchez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sanchez was heat. Like, so, like yeah, I, I'm really? gonna considering he was sort of second fiddle to Hernandez for a long time. Eh? Yeah. Now I I would say he's up there as one of the best lives in the world. Uh, definitely. Easily. Easily. I'd say he's the third. I'd say he's the third best player in the world behind Sexton and Mar- and <laughs> Mar- and Barrett. <laughs> I guess Farrell's a twelve now. So, but uh, yo, I, like, don't, I don't actually rate Farrell that much, or or Ford, to be honest. So no, uh, for, for, Ford shit. But don't yeah. tell England that because I like that they keep on playing it, but fucking their own game. Exactly. <laughs> uh, God, uh, it's okay. I don't think Eddie Jones listens to us. Rossi does. Um, uh, I was say, so, like, 
yeah, there's an interesting question on my mind, right? So it's going to sound stupid at first, but what does New Zealand have that we don't? Uh, Centralisation. Uh, not, the Lord not of the Rings system. Like, I mean, the, the, the teams. Like, and I don't mean like individual players necessarily, but think about the qualities that they have in their team. They've got uh, I, I, they've got two of the best locks in the world in Retallick and Whitelock. We've got two of the best locks in the world in, in Irban and Mustard. Very similar players, not as good, but they bring the same level of physicality and hard work, I think. They've got a pretty strong front row. We've definitely got a stronger front row. Their Lustrio is pretty similarly composed to ours. We've got, um, you know, Khaleesi, very similar to someone like Sam Kane or Adi Sevilla. Not as good, but very similar style. Whiteley is you know, a homeless man's Kieran Reed, and um, <laughs> Peter Steff Toy I think is is a better blindsider than Shannon Frizzell. So and and Liam Squire as well. Like I don't and, know. Yeah, Squire. Liam Squire. I, th- like, I actually think Liam Squire and, and Peter Steff are approximately as good as one another. And, and but more importantly, they bring the same qualities to the team. Yeah, so they're, yeah. adding the same. Values. Squire, then he's, he's filling in that Kano role. With yeah. like that hard as nails he tackles yeah, yeah just the workforce and I mean that's what we look for from Mustard and Peter Stiff when they fill in at 7 and, and Jean-Luc mm-hmm. when he plays and, and, I'm, yeah, I'm going to skip yeah, over I'm going to skip over the halfbacks I'm going to skip over the halfbacks for the time being because you'll see where this is going our centres are okay not this weekend let's talk about our actual centres Esther Hazen and um, yeah. and and um, uh, pretty similar in terms of play style to La Mapi and Anton Leonard Brown slash Jack Goodhue. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty similar. We don't have a Ryan Crotty, but you know he actually has been in and out of the team. And yeah, no, I, I don't think he's coming back for a while as well. I think yeah, he, you know the R. news R. is saying he's fit this week. Well, he still knows their names. Yeah. R.I.P. Ryan. But you know what I mean. So you know we got the bashing inside center. We got the more savvy outside center, and like we've got. We've got the outside backs. I mean, yes, Argentina, you know, did the work this week. But I don't think it's because they were necessarily so good. I think that the opportunities were created for them. And we've seen what guys like Deontay and Mappi can do when they get the chance. Yeah. We have, we, like, we have strike force in our box team like we haven't had in the last five years, I would say, since the banner. And, yeah. and yet, why are, we, like, why are we so far away from the All Blacks? Because we haven't really followed... A very different team structure to what they've got, until you look at the halfbacks, because Fuff is pretty much the polar opposite of someone like Aaron Smith. He doesn't do the basics well, or he pretty he, he, he can do the basics well. He's he's got a good pass, and he's got a good uh, box kick, but he doesn't because he's he's too busy doing other stuff. And Flyhalf is just a fucking nightmare. I mean, Pollard and and Alton, Jesus, like they have just been so fucking disappointing in the last two years of rugby. And whereas they've got, but again, like this weekend, Moanga fails in in terms of their perception of him, and they still walk away with a twenty point victory. So clearly, they are playing off scrum half as a playmaker more than the ten as a playmaker as well, which is what we're doing. Except that our our scrum half is fucking hot and cold to the extreme. Whereas they've got Mr. Regular. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you guys think I'm maybe being a bit over 
oversimplistic about it. No. So, 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 so to, to, just to simplify this, you say that the Springbok side with Smith and Barrett at ten, at nine and ten, could beat the All Black side with Fuff and Pollard at nine and ten. Absolutely, there's not a shadow of doubt in my mind that that would happen. Yeah, 100%. I, 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 I think that's fair comment. Yeah, 100%. No, I don't think, I don't think had... anyone's going to fight you on this, except for maybe we're going to get an angry email again. Maybe, but I, I like this is out of all the stupid shit I've said on this podcast, <laughs> this is the hill that I will die on. <laughs> if the Springboks no, 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 and Bert Barrett, we will win the World Cup. Yeah, but but I would because always like. Physically and skills-wise, South Africa are fine. It's just, I don't know, are, are we just stupid people? I think, I think we might be stupid people. And I, I say we is, in the broadest possible sense, because of course I'm a Namibian and we're known for our national yeah. but And al- also, you, you, you have two university degrees, Alex. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, only, only just, but yes. <laughs> but no, you know what I mean? Like, I think... You're absolutely right. We have everything on paper. And again, this game in particular, I mean, it could not have gone any better for us. Falau's out, Pocock's out, um, okay, Coleman, whatever. But, you know, this was like the game for us to win, even with our second string team. And yet it was like, it was just appalling. I mean, Adam, have we officially moved on to the spring? Yes, I feel like we... I just want to say, I'm lying I just want to say... <laughs> That's exactly, I mean, you call us dumb, but that's exactly what we praise Goodyear and Ben Smith for, is making the right decisions at the right time, when to pass, when to kick, when to, and that's exactly the skill that the box don't have, yeah. it's just, they don't know what to do, is it yeah. overcoaching maybe, that they but, sort well, of let, let, to a let's point talk about it, let's just talk about it a little bit longer before we start trying to dissect it, Okay, sorry. because, because, I mean, we just spoke, we just spoken about Faf. We just spoke. You guys just brought up uh, JC Creel. Now we've been saying all along on the Facebook group, on this podcast, and on Twitter, JC Creel is not an outside center, and it's yeah, not because he isn't quick enough. It's not because he isn't fast, uh, like strong enough, or that he can't kick. He, he, I think he probably can kick, or I don't know. His decision making is not what you want in an outside center. He like. He never does the right thing at the right time. He never in the right position that he needs to be. We've seen him at his best when he's in the outside channels. I think it was last year in the end of year tour, he actually scored two pretty good tries. Mm-hmm. And it was because he was in the outside channel, not, the, not the, the midfield channel. He's never in the right place at the right time or doing the right thing at the right time. So why is he being forced down our throats as a center? Why can't he play fullback? I don't get it. It's because he's got... Epically massive guns. No, no but, but this, this you is a lot of big guns in the fullback. I, I, I think this is a problem. We look at Jesse Creel and we like, look at him. He's got a ma- magnificent jawline. He's ripped as fuck. He's fast as fuck. Like, he's so uh, agile. He's, 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 he's gorgeous. Let me put this on the record. He is gorgeous. He's got fierce eyebrows. He's not exactly I'm handsome. Throw that out there. Oh, no, Jesse Creel stepped, stepped off a men's health cover. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I agreed. Okay, but we we just we look at him and we are like, surely he can play outside center. Look at him, like he could do what yeah. he wants. Yeah. Like he, I mean, you know, got batting <laughs> to you know, like, he has the option. He could go play James Bond instead of Idris Elba. Like he has, you know, Ooh, we just assume we kind don't, of don't you do all, 
all the oh, sorry Alex, all these all these qualities on Jesse Creel instead of actually realizing he is limited in so many ways. Like yeah. he actually is an incredible athlete. Don't yeah. take me uh, don't get me wrong there, but I don't think he's actually a great rugby player. Yep. And the the further you are away, like you could have a wing who all he is is just agile and fast, and he he could be a very successful wing. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, he, I think he could be is, our answer at 14, to be honest, because that's a problem yeah, area for us as well. Yeah, like, like but but we don't, we, we're trying to make him more rounded than he actually is. We're not playing to its strengths. So we, yeah. we take it this incredible athlete and then we're boxing him in. We, we're putting constraints around him, which makes yeah. him less effective. Yeah. So it's, oh, it's, it's irritating, actually. It is. It's infuriating. And, Fantastic. yeah, I mean, so... So now, I mean, it's clear that we have a decision-making problem with the Springboks. There's a lack of rugby intelligence. <laughs> so it's not a case of, um, you know, people talk about solving the problem at schoolboy level maybe or, or like club, re- club level. But again, isn't, isn't Rusty like supposed to be one of the greatest rugby minds of our generation? Like, isn't that something that's been thrown around quite a lot? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm a Rusty apologist. I, I, I <laughs> With great rugby minds, he should maybe step onto this podcast and give us a bit of his mind. Huh? Well, he, don't he forget, challenge, don't forget, challenge has been issued. He can, he can only <laughs> polish the so much. <laughs> don't forget, Rassi's other brilliant coaching tactic or bit that we all remember yeah. him for was standing on the fucking roof of Newlands with the with a set of semaphore disco lights trying to tell his team <laughs> what to do. No, but that's so, I, I, I like it when someone tries to break the mold and do something different and tries to yeah, kind that, of like that's that's why Warren Whiteley looks to the side of the field to see what decision he's supposed to be taking as a captain on the field right now. Well, that that's overcoaching. No, no, he's not the captain. I'm sort of now digging it a bit of, but yeah, yeah. I mean that's sort of the culture in SA is that right. sorry, sir, we must pay attention to the co- the coach's word is yeah. Gospel. Yeah, because like, I, yeah. I think honestly, Steve Hansen could be a giant fat puppet. Oh no, definitely. We wouldn't notice the difference because their, their team has enough rugby intelligence and enough leadership from each player that that the All Blacks are like completely like self sufficient. They don't need this great rugby mind. Yeah, but I mean, so this is the thing, right? Because even let's let's talk about Khaleesi as the captain. Because he's obviously got to be the he's got to be the buffer zone between your coach and your, your team. Do we feel yeah. like he's doing a good job as captain? Because yeah. this weekend I felt like I felt like there were a few dodgy calls by Glenn Jackson. Um, I think he was missing some stuff, and I think he so there was that moment with Fuff where he got penalised for offside of the scrum, and he was specifically waiting for um, Genia to pick the ball up before he got involved. And then as Genia threw the pass, he kicked it out kicked it out of the air, with basically, which is a classic Fuff move. You know? Yeah. Fuff's basically a ninja. And it's great. Like, I, I like that kind of stuff because that shows that he's thinking about ways to influence the to game that are, yeah, that are outside of the box. Problem is he's, he's too far outside the box. Um, but He needs to at least be on the same block as the box. Yeah. <laughs> but then Glenn Jackson calls him for offside. And... The Springboks just got up and walked away. And similarly, there was a point, uh, Francois Lowe got, got blown up for a forward pass where he juggled the ball, caught it again, clearly threw it backwards. I thought it was pretty clear. He threw it backwards yeah. to the, to Mustard, I think. Glenn Jackson blows for a forward pass. 
And again, box turn around, walk away. Now, at one at some point in that game, Sia Khaleesi needed to be walking up to Glenn Jacks in that moment, saying, "What was that for? What's going on? Why, why no, can't so, we sorry, do that? So, yeah, could, could we get? Could you explain that a bit? Yeah, so can you just explain that to me because he he was onside or like, but there wasn't a forward pass there. And even if Glenn Jackson, I mean, look, he's he's a ref, so he's going to refuse to change his mind as he should. Yeah, he's not going like, to change his like, mind. I don't like wishy-washy refs, but you get in his head, and you know, the next time it happens, you look at him, and you're just like, sir, you know, you're going to really have to explain this to me because this is now the second second time that it's happened, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but like, from where I was standing, well, that's absolutely fine. And you know, we need to have a conversation about this, and can we maybe just like, can we chat, please? At what half time, take him aside and say. Look, we, I don't want to get on the wrong side of you, but we've definitely on different pages because that didn't look like a forward past me. Was and that the, the, the sidelines? You know, get in his head. Like, play the mind game with the referee. You're supposed to do that as captain. Also, Khaleesi has the kind of personality that he endears himself to people. Like, yeah. I, I don't think... Say something, if Eben said something and Khaleesi said something, even yeah. if they were both captain, having it come it. from Khaleesi would be so much more... Because he yeah. is, he's, he's yeah. personable. Like, you know, you'd be like, oh yeah, I actually see you make a good point, instead of like, what's that fucking juggernaut up to? Like, um, yeah, that's for sure. You sort of are the scared of the confrontation with Eben. Yeah. You know, I, re- I remember reading uh, John Smith's... I don't know if it was his book or if it was just like an article he wrote. And it was a, a tactic him and Victor used to use to manage the ref. Yeah. So ba- basically, if they were like, actually, no, you know what? This ref's giving us a, a rough deal at the ruck or a rough deal at the scrum or whatever. Victor would go up being being quite abrasive. Yeah. Being like, what like, the hell? What the hell? And then John would come in and be like, like hey, Victor, back, back away, back away. Uh, but, but really, what is the deal, ref? And then John Smith would come and pull Victor away. It was like, yeah. protect the ref, say, no, listen, Victor, Victor, he's the ref, come on, it's his decision. Yeah. So yeah. naturally, the, it, firstly, and then, and then it turn to the ref and say, okay, but for real, what, like, what is that about? <laughs> well, he, did, he didn't even mention, like, kind of the, basically, Victor was a, a highly respected Super Rugby captain and a highly respected Super Rugby player. So straight yeah. away, if Victor's playing, there's something in the ref's head, like, um, yeah. um, um, um. Then at the same time, by John Smith pulling him away, it's not going to turn the ref against the team because the, yeah. the, the, the ref is like, listen, actually, the, the captain is protecting me as the ref. Yeah, but he's on my side. Let me but at the same time, okay, maybe that other guy, maybe he he is actually making a valid point. Yeah, yeah there's some no, it, bit of gratitude in the ref. Yeah. It's these little techniques like managing the ref and stuff, which... Yeah. And then Khaleesi you know, does not do that. I don't think he does that very well at all. Like, he's very polite, which is great. Mm. He's very professional. Also, great. But... It comes a point where you need to be able to, like, basically throw your toys out the cot a little bit with the ref, and be like, "Yeah, ref, that's we're not happy about that," you know. Yeah, well, yeah, we really needed that this weekend, I think. Yeah, well, look on Jackson. I think the guy didn't get a great game. Also, like um, at kickoffs, South Africa were trying to speed the game up, and then he was stopping it because the substitutions coming on later. And then uh, when Tupo uh, rides at the end, slowed down the game. Jackson had a cuck game, but in fairness to him, uh, weirdly enough, I think he was cuck for everyone. Like a couple, uh, I think he called yeah. uh, the one thrown 
uh, line out uh, oh. straight. I was like, oh, that's uh, like, uh, yeah, you missed that one was... earlier. That definitely yes. wasn't straight. Yes. A line have to be pretty skewed before they call it not straight. Like it basically has yeah. to be on the outside shoulder. Yeah, it's the... got to. You, yeah. you've got well, to that's... throw it to the back line. That's kind of the, the yeah the unwritten rules that if if you can see the guy's catching it with his outside hand, then it was definitely yeah, yeah. skewed. But I mean, if, if if it's on the guy's just on the guy's head, it's skewed because yeah. it's supposed yeah, to be in, in between yeah, the inside hand. But obviously hands. they're skewed, like it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it, but but that was a funny thing because he missed the obvious. Yeah. And then the, the, he blew the second one, and then the third one he blew skew, and everyone was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, um, but uh, no, like I, I don't think. I uh, look. Don't get me wrong, and I, I think maybe this needs to be said. I definitely don't think it's because of the ref. No. Nah. Uh, but I think uh, we could have won if we if we should have managing the ref. Uh, I think so we. I think, I think we should have won. Uh, I see, seeing Rassi's comments, I think. Um, oh Jesus. Um. He just made the comment that we were pretty much dog meat in the second half, way better in the first half. Individual errors. Uh, I'm looking at you, Vidal Rue. And um, just going back, just I don't want to keep banging on about our centers, but our centers are blunt instruments. Like, and the, the thing is, because Vidal Rue had a shocker, I mean, every now and then he does. He's so key yeah. as a as, as a link player, as the guy to actually play off. He's so cute. Yeah, yeah, he, he has a shit he's, show. He's actually do, he's doing the role that the fly off should be doing. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah. yeah. Yes. M and Fife. As oh. The problem is that they're the two most chaotic guys on the team, and they, and they both no, had, had poor, poorer games. Particularly Villy, he was he had a shocker. But poor, poor Chess yeah. and Colby, yes, he was probably like hating life. <laughs> yeah, the really, it was a bit of a baptism by fire for him. But okay, yeah, I think but... I think we've we've maybe beaten this horse enough. Can we talk about the substitutions? Yeah, I just want to quickly say one thing about what I noticed about Willy Villy, is he's playing what he does when he has a poor game is. He's trying to play the next thing he's doing before he's even finished what he's done. So he's thinking about the pass, half throwing the pass as he's still catching the ball. And you watch it once or twice. He gets caught out doing the wrong motion. And it's, yeah, it, as you said, too chaotic, too frantic. Mm. That's. Yeah, but, 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 but that's, that's what you get with Vili. Like. I like like because people are like no Vili's so inconsistent or whatever. It's like yo, well, what, what do you fucking expect? Like you can't have someone who's consistently kind of pulling magic plays out the yeah. bag. That's not how it works. Like it is the sublime and the ridiculous. But yeah. you have to surround them with stable enough players that they yes. sort of they can kind of fix up where he fucks up. Yeah. So that that's exactly yeah. right. You can't expect Vili to be on every game because no, we, we've always we've always known that about him. But this is now the point. What's up? What's our plan B? <laughs> when Philly's having a bad game, and we can all see that, what is like? Does Rusty not then say, "Okay, halftime, like Philly, we can all see it's not working. We're going to mix it up, and we're going to plan B, which is we're running off the fly half. We're not running off the fullback second receiver anymore." No, but, but no. This, this should this should be plan A, running off the fly half. Yeah, mm. no. Look, I mean, unless you're saying, "Oh, look, Philly's great at the moment. Let's run off him. Like it's working for us against England." And it did work against us for England. So, you know, but not necessarily plan A and B, but like we need to have another plan available. Yeah, they need so to be options. In the eventuality that Billy is just not clicking on the day, we're not like, well, I guess we're waiting out this 80 minutes and then taking our flak. We need to be like, we need to be pivoting on the field to something that's a little bit more stable. So that's why you need to have what everyone thought Pollard was um, in the form of a reliable well-rounded, low-risk, low-return fly-off to counter the chaos that Fuff and Vili bring. 
Elton isn't that player. Um, as it turns out, neither is neither is Pollard, so it's a moot point. But that's the thing to have all three of Elton, Fuff, and Villy in your backline in the same backline with yeah. no clear with no clear back, uh, bench replacements for any of them, especially because Papier is apparently just there to carry bags. That's a recipe for disaster because you're rolling the dice as soon as you walk onto the field. Yo, and well, they, think, yeah, and if they don't roll their favor, the, you're fucked. In terms of like, in terms of something like, I've actually never played it, but something like Dungeons and Dragons, you know how you have to roll the dice, and for yeah. for a move to succeed, you have to throw whatever it is more than yeah. twenty or less than twenty or whatever. Yeah. And you can have certain players where where they high risk high reward, and you roll the dice, and if it comes off, they're probably yeah. going to break the line or score a try, but yeah. if they fuck up, it's you know you you're probably going to lose the ball. Yes. Fine, you can ha- you can have one or two players like that on the field, because then players around them, these low risk players, compensate for it. But as soon yeah. as you get it, so say you the ball goes, Fuff gets the ball, you rolling the dice. Is his ridiculous play going to come off? Yeah. Fine, Fuff's play comes off, but it goes to Alton. Then once yeah. again you roll. Uh, he's got to roll the dice. Yeah, exactly. No. And that's the thing. Like we're relying, we're relying on like. It's like systematically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You nailed it. You nailed it. Babe. That's a great way of looking yeah. at it because you're essentially relying on like three to four consecutive high rolls yeah, in order for like the like one outcome. Yeah, in order for the one outcome that we planned around. And if any of the rolls, even just one of them in the middle, doesn't go right, then you're already on the back foot. And if you've got a day like Saturday where Fuff's rolls aren't working, Elton's rolls aren't working, and and Villy's rolls aren't working. Like we were lucky to even be in it at the end, in a way. Although that said, Australia are fucking terrible. So oh, yeah, they're a bad rugby. I'm I'm just gonna go there. The better team in my mind lost on the on the on the day. They're a, they're a bad rugby no, team. We're a stupid this, rugby this team. Is, I, I know. Mallet said it once. He's like, so often after Australia beat South Africa. We feel we've played better, but Australia have just outthought us. Yeah. Like, they, they've taken the opportunities better, they've made better decisions. And that always fucking happens when we play Australia. Like they, they, they they're, they're a smarter rugby nation than us. They just, they're just cleverer than us, yeah. Yeah. Except for Corbiti, he's, he's, no, he's, he's pretty average. Oh, he, he, would be so, he would be so at home in the box. Corbiti, <laughs> oh, uh, imagine... <laughs> To to uh, just you brought the substitutions, Alex. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just Bongi. Uh, apparently, oh, uh, Rassi's reason say, he, reasoning was apparently that Bongi had nothing left in the tank. I won't lie. That sounds like a lot of shit <laughs> to me. Yeah, that that sort of was... makes me think. Was it you, Alex, who said in the WhatsApp in the group that? Uh, Twitter. Yeah, they said that. that was it? Where was no, it? Was somewhere? Alex said. Um, yeah. They, they, told Ma- they told Marx Marx was going to get 50 minutes. Just yeah. jokes on them. It was the second 50. No, I think I think it might have been like a, a serious thing where where Rassi said to them at practice, "Listen, guys, this week instead of giving Malcolm the first 60 minutes and Bongi the last 20, we're actually going to mix it up a little. We're going to give Bongi the first 20 minutes and then Malcolm the the, well, the first 30, and then Malcolm the the 50. And I think I think honestly, I think that might have been a conversation that happened. So I, I think it might have been premeditated. To be honest, I, I'm not I'm not super opposed to it because I think I think substitutions are a bit are a bit regulated. You know, it's like okay, fine, 
props go off at 60, wings go off at 60, you know, props go off at 55, yeah. wings go off at 65. Like, it is, like, and I, I appreciate, but, yeah, uh, like, an play. aggressive substitution, being like, yeah, let's actually bring on a player to try, to try shake things up, try. But at the, at the time he brought on marks, it seemed premeditated still, though. Well, it, it, it seemed a bit more shockingly reactive. close to that. Yeah, it seemed no, that very reactive to that yeah. overthrow. But was at the it? same time, that. But, but then again, if you bring on a, a hooker for their precise lineup throw, marks is very low down very, that list. Yeah, the boxes. Yeah, but that's the thing. That overthrow also. A lot of there's been a lot of comments about it, and that overthrow is not necessarily Bongi's fault. By the looks of it, it was called to be an overthrow. There were two guys running for the ball, but. No one was I, in the right place at the right time. I, I, I think I think Tamur was offside there as well. Oh, most because probably. realistically, he he ran about ten meters in about half a second. In, yeah. in and, the that, box, and the box defenders it, it, had a five meters. They were asleep at the wheel. But yeah, they just weren't fucking paying attention. Like even in that situation with the overthrow, they should have been able to cover it. Yeah. 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 Like I don't think that, I don't think that's entirely on Bongi. Yeah. No, by the sounds, by the looks of what sort of more sharper minds than us are saying on that I've seen that it's not necessarily yeah. Bongi did what he was told yeah. to do, yeah. and what he told, was told to do is not necessarily the right call. It had a high risk, high reward, which seems to be the theme of but it, the Springboks discussion. It's not high right. reward because because what what be, best case scenario, what the police or, or the or whatever catches it and what gets you. Five ten meters, yeah, you yeah. get slightly better kicking angle. I don't, I don't think there's much That's difference between that. Yeah. But just getting like, it, yeah, no, like I don't think it's that high reward. But you got to remember, Ben, like we're talking about the the, the current Springbok ba- uh, brains trust <laughs> of you know Fuff and Vili, and okay, Roll I don't think Vili is necessarily being overridden, but like they don't in their minds, like it doesn't need to be like that much more high risk, uh, high reward. It just needs to be higher to justify, yeah, yeah. to justify the, the because risks. in their minds, like these, these are the kind of guys. Like, and I'm not, I'm not being rude or disparaging because, like, I do think that it's to their benefit a lot of the time. In their minds, it's like it's the last thing they'll expect. Mm. Mm. I, like know? It. Like, I like it. I like it. It's like, I like so, it. Yeah, and, and just because of that, just because they're like, look, it might be risky. We might not be getting that much more reward out of it, but it's got the bamboozle factor. They're not going to see it coming. So let's do it. And on the field, you're like, okay, cool. So be it. Like, you know, that's that's the culture that we have in the in the current team, and the, this is where it doesn't pay off. So it was, I think it was a call. I don't think Bongi fucked up. I think that it was a call that people weren't all on the same page about because it is such a wacky call, and no, they probably had to crash it that much. Do, do you know? I think fucked up there was Khaleesi. Yeah. It's very lucky. He, yeah. No, but 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 that's that goes back to what Alex is saying. If there's one guy who should know the light, what's going to happen? It's the captain who's a forward. Yeah. Like yeah. he needs to know what's going to happen with the line out. Like I yeah. don't know. Yeah. They um, make the yeah, you're not, you're not Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a couple of other things. Another day at the office. My pimpy getting another trial, and he got injured again, which is a bit of a concern. Uh, Apira Dianti, he was very isolated, so he didn't see um, a lot of the, a lot of ball. And I also uh, I was quite disappointed Papier didn't come on. What's the point? It, it was actually very interesting. It's probably the first time in a long time that I've seen that both starting scrum halves have finished the game. Yes. 
I know. Yes. And towards it, like Faf was on his knees. He was buggered. And I'm thinking, geez, you yeah. know, Papira, he's got a good pass, apparently. He's just the sort of like you might need for this sort of situation to play up tempo. And also, uh, just a quick comment yeah. on like a brain's trust. Just like when we try to score a try at the end, you could see we're just trying to batter our way through uh, in a game of inches instead of. I don't, I don't know. It just wasn't very innovative what we were trying to do. At least in the first half, you could see we sucked in their defenders, we created space on the outside, and then uh, Mapimpi went over for the try. Second half, it was just battering ram stuff. And the Aussies, uh, and look, we, the, the, the worst part about this is there was an eight minute period at the start of the second half where Australia had us like under the pump. Also because we kept knocking the ball on, kicking it out, we were our own worst enemies. But I mean, our defense was actually pretty good. We gave them two tries. Um, so, you know, I, don't, I just I felt very hollow. Like we did something so well, but God, like Creel's cross kick. It's like, oh, yeah. fuck, when he did that, I, I yeah. was just like, yeah. a, I was like, a, are you in the? Co- I was listening to the Australian commentary and Phil Kearns. He's like, oh, that's that's, uh, that's not the right thing to do. You know, they, they were they, they were also like stunned of how dumb it was. You know, yeah. To, to quote uh, Owen Od Pixel Davies, that was that was questionable at the best. <laughs> but but um, just. Yeah, I don't know, like I got the same kind of feeling that yeah, that hollowness that you're talking about, Adam. I actually think that's a good way of describing it. Because I was watching like almost dispassionately <laughs> as this happened. And like it wasn't it wasn't even making me that angry really, because I was like Yeah, there it goes again, you know? It was like one dimensional. Like the game they never kind of sold me on the game in the first place. And then when those kinds of things happened, even at the end, like Okay, when, as soon as Francois Lowe's try was called back, yeah, I knew I knew we were going to lose. And I mean, I didn't know, but I, I felt like we were going to lose. And every opportunity, because, uh, so, yeah, sorry, every opportunity we seemed to create. There was a one occasion we had an overlap. Alton kicked it, and then there was two yes. or three other occasions where, you know, it was on. There was space, um, but then yeah. knock on, offside, yeah. penalty. Yeah. It was oh, that was horrible. Yeah, but like, so if if you had to ask me, if you had to describe the game to someone. Like, let's say in, like, 50 years, you play a game of, uh, like, uh, pin-the-bock game on the coaching era. And you just you describe the game and tell someone, ask someone, okay, was it during Rassi's tenure? Was it during Heineken Mayer or uh, Tutti or Peter de Villiers or Jake Wise? And you tell them, you know, there was no clear game plan. The, yeah, you Yeah, kick the ball away aimlessly. Fly off, almost missed touch. Um, you know, overlap, and you and you try to kick, and it went straight into touch. At one point, we won our line out, and, and we kicked it in straight, and it was taken back or something like that. Um, you know, there was no fetcher on the field. We had two substitutions in the first thirty minutes, and there was an unused scrum half on the bench. Who does that uh, sound? Classic tutti. Classic tutti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like. Is this what we've gone back to? Like, it felt like there was no game plan. And the reason it's classic Tutti is not because of the couple of years where he was coaching the Springboks. It's because of the fucking half a decade where he coached the Stormers. Mm. I knew exactly what I was watching that game yesterday. I've watched it so many times as a Stormers <laughs> fan. There is no fucking plan. What was the plan yesterday? I mean, we just sat here and came up with a half assed plan to beat the, the All Blacks, dominate them up front, pin them back in their own 22. What was our plan yesterday? Like, if you had to give, like, truth serum so, to Kalisi, I kind of feel like you see before the game. I feel like your rage Zetan. is building as, as you... <laughs> yeah, sorry. If you had to waterboard to before the game and say to him, tell us what your game plan is to beat the Australians. 
the poor guy's gonna die before he can give you an answer because there wasn't a fucking game plan. Like, what's the game plan? See ya? Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna take threes? You're gonna go? You know, you're gonna have a rolling ball? Yeah, we're gonna have a rolling ball. Okay. Well, you know, what's what's plan B? Like, are you gonna run off Vili? Are you gonna run off Elton? Are you gonna bring on Paige ever? I mean, Papier? Are you gonna bring him on? Oh, no. <laughs> same thing. It's, it's the same situation. Like, it's history like, repeating what's itself. Fucking, what's, what's the plan, boys? Like, what are we doing? And no one seems to know. And yeah, I'm very disappointed that we're seeing the same exact signs under Rusty that we saw under Alistair Kinsia. It's it's really really disappointing. Yeah. So Ben, you were gonna just uh, say something? Yeah, I was just going to comment on the nature of this rant, and it seems more dispassionate than Alex's regular rant. Like, it's it's more like just seething with rage as opposed to direct rage. I think you'll remember this one. You'll remember giving this one if we ask him about it tomorrow or the next day. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Prince of Rants. I don't think you quite backed out on it. <laughs> the Prince of Rants returns, but in a clinical fashion. More clinical than, than sorry, the old uh, guy. Sorry, I dominated for a couple of minutes there, didn't you? <laughs> um, uh, just, do you have any final comments uh, just about the Springbok game? I know, look, we've got New Zealand coming up. Uh, I guess we, maybe we could just talk about the sort of changes uh, we should make. Yeah. Bring Willemsa at 10. I oh, know, actually, it's a terrible idea. Jesus, against the All Blacks. <laughs> yeah, no, I... blood him against New Zealand. Wow. <laughs> no, do you know what? Do you know what? To be honest, to be honest, we might as well. Like, whatever. Like, exactly. Like, nothing, like, nothing else is working. We're not going to win the rugby champ. We're not even going to come third at this rate. So, like, yo, wh- why the fuck not? Do you know what? Rusty, yo, I'll, I'll have a crack at 10. You know, I played squash the other day. <laughs> off my lung, but, yo, bring it on. I think I, think I have a pair of boots knocking around somewhere. I, d- I do I hope... Just gave, I, threw my boot, I gave my boots to the SPCA shop, like, three weeks ago. So, I'm out of the contention for 10. Yeah, ah, I... Play, play barefoot. I, I, uh-huh. I can play uh-huh. 10 for the All Blacks because I got that Rolls-Royce pack. To, to guide me, but not for the box. Well, well you're missing my. Uh, you're missing. You're missing the the key factor in that role. Yeah, you're missing the engine. Yeah. yeah. But we isn't that isn't that our uh, our our game show idea? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't the whole point to get Adam up to fighting fitness for the All Blacks? <laughs> yeah. We just we we're gonna blood him though. Are we gonna blood him though without Brody? I think he needs Brody as a sort of safety blanket. Yo, oh, dude. That's, yeah, dude. That's, that's playing on hard mode. Yeah. yeah. But um, uh, yeah. Sentence. So I, I don't think that we should play Valimsa just be- not because we got uh, not because it'll hurt our chances of winning because obviously you know anything divided by zero is still zero, but um, more because I don't think it's good for his career to introduce him to that level of toxicity. And pain. Yeah, no, true. He's going to have such a target on his back if he does that. I think. I think. Look, we we already spoke about Pollard's supposed BMT. Fuck, like he must not do it. You know, we can't be talking about a game against the All Blacks he played five years ago. He needs to do it now. Yeah. And so Pollard must come back. And I I cannot stress enough that I want to see Franz Herber not just out of the Springbok team. I want him to see. I want to. I want to see him out of rugby altogether. <laughs> I, I don't want him to ever touch a rugby ball ever again. Uh, that's a bit harsh. He wasn't that bad this weekend. No, he actually he, had a try he, he was okay. He wasn't even the worst Francois on the field. I just like the fact that he was bleeding. <laughs> he was bleeding after like five minutes, gave away a penalty. Then, then he won a penalty. Uh, new centers. Uh, bring back Estes and please. Absolutely. And, and if uh, my pimpy's injured, what do we do? Like, Col- I, I, I don't I'll, mind giving Colby a go. 
I mean, fuck it. He had a, he had a, he had a shocker. Uh, he, he didn't really get any opportunities. He, wasn't, he didn't have a shocker. It was just he was he was a non-factor. Yeah. He didn't He didn't make mistakes. He was. He didn't make yeah. mistakes. He was just a zero. There was a zero sum to Colby's yes. game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I haven't done the ratings for Facebook yet, but I'm going to find it very hard to actually rate Deontay and Colby because I feel like they were just collateral damage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, would, I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Arche Snowman getting a start. I did like the fact that everybody was like fighting with him and he's just laughing. He's just yeah. like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, channeling his inner Bucky's Puerto. Yeah, he'll have you. He'll have you a good laugh. And even the Aussie commentators say, "Oh, he's a big unit. He's massive." You know, so yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing him start. Um, yeah. I, I feel like uh, Franco Mostad's on the verge of collapse all the time now. When oh, playing for, playing I'm sorry. For the box. They, they... Because remember we were complaining about Vilko at the at the England series. It's yeah. like no, this this guy's this guy's played too much. Franco yeah. Mossad, my God, the guy is close to death. Like just let him. Yeah, shame. Speaking of Wilco, Tom Robertson looks like he's sort of blunder clone. Yeah, it's true. They do have a, they do have very similar faces. Um, <laughs> sort of head shape. And uh, this uh, interesting final point. Uh, that maybe just before we talk about the WhatsApp group from this week. Um, I read somewhere, like, with all these guys that are playing in Japan, they, all, the, all the South African players who are double-dipping in different leagues, they spend most of the year now on a rugby field. Do you think there's something about mental fatigue? The fact that a guy yeah. like Pollard, who, if you just, bless him, if you just had a bloody off-season, you know, uh, that uh, might make a difference? I mean, maybe, I think, I mean, in his case, he's recently back from a long layoff yeah. injury. Yeah, so I think, he, he, I think he benefits from just playing as much rugby as possible. Yeah. Yeah, Pollard's um, the sort of the it does, of that. It, it but, does but lead to a situation where to rest almost a player needs to get injured. Yeah, yeah. I think that's <laughs> I think that's what hap- that's might be what's happening with Faf and Vili because they've come straight from the English Premiership season, um, and maybe like maybe they just need some time off to recharge their sort of creative juices. Um, but yeah, so I, I do think you're right about mental fatigue. I don't think it's effective for Pollard specifically, and I think for a lot of our players, definitely not Jesse Krill. Yeah, yeah. Redundant question. I think they just a lot of players just don't have much margin of error in yeah. terms of brain fatigue. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's quickly before we do the WhatsApp, we'll close out the WhatsApp group because you, you'll have to talk about something I don't know much about. Uh, but just uh, Super Brew, uh, Matt, do you have it open? Yeah. You could be lying. Shocker, guys. Uh, you could it's be open. How do we do? Uh, two out of three for Curry Cup yeah. and. 50-50 at cha- rugby championship. Yeah, okay. But we, we think that might have been a, a Matt error. <laughs> that could be a Matt error, yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we said Australia we're yeah, going to win. I'm a bit fragile and like we need to wrap up soon. I have to go play cricket now. I don't know if you need, but I think I've turned the corner. So we'll see. Uh, okay, so New Zealand, South Africa. But what score are we going to lose? Yeah, uh, just, just after Super Brew, guys, I'm going to duck because... Lunch is on the table, and I'm getting glares. Are we? Okay, chill. Uh, so, what are we going to lose yeah. by? Uh, let's say 30. Okay. 30. Yeah. I'm can... 35. 35. 30, 35. And uh, the toughest pick of the week, will Argentina beat Australia in Australia? Definitely yes. Australia? yes, I think so. Yes, they're yeah, the I think, one side. I think Argentina are going to come second in the in this yeah. rugby yeah. championship. Yeah. And then win the World Cup. You heard it oh, first. <laughs> it's it. entirely possible. It could happen. <laughs> it, it, it's coming home. How do you say it's coming home in Spanish? 
Uh, I don't know. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to get on Google Translate. <laughs> uh, it says seven. Let's so say they're going to win by seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. And then Curry Cup? Sanchez, Sanchez, pure class. New Iceman. <laughs> um, okay, first game. Grudge match. Lions versus Province. At home. Oh, yeah. He's at home. In Joburg. Uh, so, Lions. Huelve uh, a casa. Wellever Casa. Wellever Casa. Lines by 10. Esther Vianello. Yeah, lines by 10. Next, Griquas versus Cheetahs. Griquas. Yeah. Incomplete, sorry. I'm reading them home team away team. I did some research. The Griquas superfan is known as Uum Bushi or Uncle Bushi. And I watched an interview with him and he seems like he is. Nice. Okay, so Uncle Bushy is going to contribute to let's call it a fifteen win, fifteen point win yeah. over the yeah, yeah. Is he is he like Maluam for them, Ben? He's similar to Maluam, but remember Maluam? <laughs> yeah, for the Sharks. Um, and last, last game, last game, Jimmy Stonehouse's future employer versus his current employer. <laughs> I'll take um, I'll take future I'll, employer. I'll, 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 are they at the Bulls? Yeah. Future uh, they are, are at, at home by three, please. They are, they are at Castillo Loftus. I will take the team okay. that currently has Jimmy Stonehouse. Really? I think, I think no. I mean, have nah. you seen those biceps, Ben? I have, Alex, but, but Jimmy Stonehouse's biceps are Jesse Creeling, you here. They actually aren't linked <laughs> to coaching. No, I think okay. I'm going Bulls by three. Okay, guys, I, I think the Bulls will win, but I have to go now. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cheers. Um, all right, and then just our final bit for the week, I'll, I'll just turn this over to you two. In the WhatsApp group, there was a long conversation between Matt and Alex about standing in Philadelphia. Um, and, and you guys, and I, I, I've only watched a little bit of it, but I did like the one fact, the one character got fat, and then he just got absolutely ripped, and then nobody He's gave shit. so jacked. <laughs> okay, I don't want to, it's a bit of a spoiler, if you haven't seen the latest... Um... This, the season opener for the later season you maybe haven't noticed yet, but Matt got ripped. Matt is so ripped. He's huge. It's like everything Actually, he ever wanted to be. And the best part about it is that no one cares. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I no. saw a Vice article actually about it now. Oh, yeah. um, how to get Max, how to get Max body. Max training saw, regime or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, Sunny in Philadelphia, if you haven't seen it, um, the like, worst I, people having arguments. They are, yeah. They are. They're the worst people, and they have shenanigans. It's kind of like a darker version of Seinfeld, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's not for everyone. Let me make that clear. Like, it's not a universally good TV show. Um, but I'm gonna hazard a guess and say that if you if you're a fan of this podcast, there's a good chance yeah. that you'll enjoy it. So a it's worth overlap. watching. It's worth yeah. There's a bit of a, a bit of overlap in terms of humor. So it's worth watching a few episodes and getting into it. If you are a fan of it, then Adam, Adam, are we doing the like the novelty rugby crossover? Uh, uh, very quickly, uh, I need I need okay. to go soon if you want to do that. So okay, proceed. So let's run through, let's run through the the ones we came up with. So if you are a fan, um, Matt and I were trying to figure out which rugby players equate to which members of the gang. We did yeah, cover. I think- I think the first one we nailed off the bat was cricket is Pocock in this week's news. Yeah, so rickety cricket is is David Pocock. Um, he's always getting targeted and he's always getting fucked up. <laughs> um, and he's also he's he's quite pious. 
in his off and he time. spent his yeah and he's a good oak that's the problem as well he's the um, best he's the best human being in the show <laughs> yeah which is not the same and then okay so Dennis Reynolds uh, famed psychopath um, and probably serial killer is Amanaki Mafi <laughs> famed psychopath and probably serial killer <laughs> um, Josh Matt say... sorry who? Uh, Frank is big car Yes, Frank Reynolds, aka the Trash Man, is Carl Tuinukuafe, aka the, the trash former man. Trash Man. <laughs> former Trash Man. Um, also, they've they've got similar body types, I think. Yeah, uh, Carl's has probably got a foot on him. I yeah, mean, Carl's maybe got a foot of height on him, but yeah, I think if if you put Carl sort of ten meters in the distance, then it'll probably <laughs> line up quite nicely. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Danny DeVito with with a, a Lorax. Tash, oh, that could be quite that, that would be um, then, then Mac, uh, who, as we said, got fat and then got hella ripped. Like, he, look, he looks good, but he's all about the glamour muscles. We know this about him. Like it's all for show. He, yeah, he's, a bit, he's a bit confused. He's he's been living a lie for a long time, and as a result, he is the epitome of Jesse Creel, who yeah. gets by on his glamour muscles. And let's face it, has been living living alive for a long time as an outside center, and also vastly overestimates his skill set. Uh, I also a, think he has a has a Jesse Kuehl has a deep love for old kung fu movies, and yeah, has, owns, owns a set of nunchucks and a and a duster, <laughs> yeah. and, and quite religious, <laughs> yeah, um, and possibly gay. Then <laughs> he Reynolds, um, he looks like a bird. Yeah, who did that's, we say that's really her entire her entire personality boils down to the fact that she looks like a bird, and really I don't know Jordan Trainer the the blues yeah, yeah. the swinger With the, top the guy who looks like a love child between Brady Retallick and, and Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Um, he's basically that's what D Reynolds looks like, and then. Charlie, who do we come up with for Charlie? We, we split Charlie up. We said Mostert is the guy most likely yeah. to do all the Charlie work. Charlie work, yeah. But then Wildcard Charlie was um, <laughs> Phipps. Phipps, yeah. Most likely yeah, to end up s- in a car suit pissing in a bar. That's, <laughs> that's Charlie. Cutting the brake cables, jumping out the back of the rolling car. <laughs> Wildcard Wild Charlie! <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, then I think that was pretty much it. Um, I think that- Covers the yeah, game. We, so we do, uh, the waitress. Who do we, we? The waitress was. Uh, the waitress is Marika Karabedi. Yeah, the one we could. We, we, no yeah. one can understand why everyone's so fascinated in him. Yeah, yeah the, the inexplicable <laughs> obsession uh, with the waitress is much like Australia's inex- inexplicable <laughs> obsession with Karabedi. Alright, yeah. uh, no, thanks. Even, I, mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I should watch this more. Sounds, uh, you uh, definitely should. You've got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> knowing, knowing your knowing your taste and what you like, you'll enjoy it. Uh, you like definitely it. will. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, like, I mean, you like BoJack Horseman. You yeah. like uh, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, I think I definitely think you'll like it. And yeah. there's one fucking seasons of it, so there's a lot to get through. <laughs> okay. I reckon by November, Alex Adam's going to be asking us for a ram ham. <laughs> well, we actually have thanks to binging with Babish, we do have a recipe for rum ham. So yeah, true. But uh, uh, yeah, if you're listening and you're on Twitter, um, hit us up with any suggestions for other members of the gang or yeah. or side characters, and see if you got any good comparisons. Yeah, and uh, yeah, 
I think on on that bombshell. Thank, thanks, gentlemen. Uh, I need to I need to dash. So uh, if you are still listening, thank you for making it this far. You can catch us on iTunes, uh, Acast, and SoundCloud. I think my hangover is also lifting a little bit. And so much you better. sound a hundred times better. I was lying that. on the floor for a while with the microphone down there, <laughs> um, but I, now I'm back. So um, I mean, you, you saw you saw the gif I sent in the group. So that, yeah. that, that was pretty much me. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah thanks for listening we'll catch you uh, next week Sunday uh, hopefully we don't get uh, destroyed by the All Blacks too badly uh, otherwise have a very good week and don't drink and drive I didn't drive but uh, don't drink it's it's bad <laughs> alcohol's the devil <laughs> it is yeah. along with, along with uh, Jesse Creel's biceps uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening <laughs> cheers